verses 7 and 8. That's where we're going to take our text tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. <coughs> Amen. I know we may not jump from, from pew to pew. I know we may not swing from the chandeliers tonight. But I believe God can speak. I believe God wants to speak. Amen, amen. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4, if you got it, say amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 is where we're going to take our passage from. And then for the evening, we're going to be focusing on this chapter tonight. So you can leave your Bibles open to it when we're finished here. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. But unto every one of us <coughs> is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Amen. If you could lay your Bibles aside for a moment, let's pray one more time, asking God for his anointing tonight. Lord, we love you. Thank you for it, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's, let's give him a hand clap of praise one more time. Lord, we love you. Praise God. You may be seated. Brother Jared, I, I hope you don't feel like I stole something from you. I'm going to, this actually spurred from a conversation we had the other day. Amen. So. The book of Ephesians is a is a wonderful book. If you've done any study, it's a powerful book. It has doctrine. It has practicality for living for God. It has all that stuff inside of that in that book. And uh, in Ephesians, we find in in chapter four, we find where the Apostle Paul begins to exhort to the church how we ought to conduct ourselves. And why we ought to conduct ourselves. And how we can know why we ought to conduct ourselves as we do. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Again, I said I'd, I don't expect you to swing from the chandeliers, but I want to I want to teach what I found in the scripture. I think it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> if we can just get a hold of it. Amen. Praise God. The first thing, if you, if you still have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 4, it is Bible study night. Ephesians chapter 4, and Brother Wisdom, I'm sorry I didn't give you a list, but if you don't mind trying to keep up a little bit, I would, I would greatly appreciate it. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we find this exhortation from Paul to the church at Ephesus. It reads, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Forbearing one another in love. 
Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I could spend the whole night here talking about being unified. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I do want to talk about it, but I'm, I, I got another place I want to get to. But in the beginning of his exhortation, he began like this. He said, church, I want you to understand one thing. I want you to understand that the church must be unified. You must bear one e each other in love, in the bond of peace. You must keep the spirit of unity, he says. And that is a mandate for the church of God. If we're going to be the true church of God, we must be unified. We must, when we come to the house of God, we've got to get our minds. That's what pre-service prayer service, pre-service prayer is all about. Is to help us get our minds on God. Amen. That's why I came early because today, while I was at work, I was my mind was everywhere. And I knew I was going to have a hard time getting a getting myself reined in so I could focus in on what God wanted. Amen. And that's why it's it's important. I understand job situations, and I know Pastor said that too, but the fact is, we need pre-service prayer. If we're going to have a blowout service like we intend to have every service, if we want God's will to be accomplished, God doesn't dwell where confusion is. Amen. Amen. That's why in Acts chapter 2, on, in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when they finally got together into one mind and into one accord, that's when the Holy Ghost fell. God moves when the people have one mind. Amen. Because when the people of God have one mind to accomplish a certain thing, nothing can be restrained from them. We can go back and look at the Tower of, um, of Babel. That's not the right one, is it? The Tower of Babel, the one that reaches the heavens. I told you, my mind is still trying to go. But the Tower of Babel, the Lord looked down and he saw the people working together. And the Lord said, the people are of one mind and nothing can be restrained from them. Nothing. And that was the Lord making a statement of carnal people because they were unified. And they were unified over one thing, and that was to build an empire for mankind. And God said, this is not what I told you to do, and this is not what I intended to happen. I told you to go out and fill the earth and multiply. Well, they were multiplying, but they were not filling the earth. They came to one province, and they stayed there together, and they began to build an empire for themselves and were removing the glory that was due to God. That's what unity was doing. Now, if you could take that same powerful thing that's called unity and you could put it in the church of God, in, into the people of God, and we could come to a service unified, what do you think could happen? These walls could not contain the people that would be con constantly drawn to the house of God because this is a place where they find safety because God dwells where his people are unified. Amen. Again, that's what pre-service prayer is about, understanding job situations, but 
doing our best to make it to the house of God. And I know I'm not the pastor here, but I, I but the fact is, pre-service prayer is still, and it is something pastor requires of the people of God. Amen. And here at New Life Pentecostal Church, it's something that we're trying to incorporate in, in Valley. It's, it's something that I've watched Brother Merriman begin to incorporate there in Gardner because it's necessary. It's necessary for us to come together. If we walk in the back door at the last moment, just before the, the, the music begins to play, and our minds are still back on the road, maybe somebody just cut me off, and I'm still upset with them, and I walk into the service, and I'm thinking about that, or, or something bad happened on the job, or something good happened on the job. doesn't matter. Your mind's not in the church service, and it takes the whole song service for us to get our minds reined in. And to become unified as one. Amen. Because when we become one, I love it. I used to love it on Sunday mornings when I was leading worship. It was always towards the last song, but I would pull my mic down a little bit and begin to listen. And you could hear the whole congregation singing the songs of Zion. And it began to happen when I noticed that most everybody in the church building in the sanctuary, was singing the same thing, thinking about the same thing, that the power of God began to flood through this building. Every single time. When the preacher says, everybody lift your hands, and everybody, almost everybody does, and the power of God flows, let me tell you something. It happened because we were focusing on one thing. Amen. Getting our minds off the babies, getting our minds off of our situations, getting our minds off of, well, what's so-and-so going to think about us. But just for a second, the preacher says, hey, let's all lift our hands. Let's all worship together. Let's forget about everything else and let's just worship together. And the power of God begins to fall. There's something about unity. And the Apostle Paul said we have to have unity in the church. Amen. He said with all lowliness and meekness. You can't be proud and have unity in the church. You have proud people, you're going to have somebody breaking the unity here. Amen. Because they're focused not on, not on what God has in store, but on what they want to do. Amen. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Amen. We've got to be unified. All right? All right. That's enough said about unity. But there's a specific way we ought to be uni unified. And the Apostle Paul teaches us this in this passage. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, we pick up, there is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. I begin to study and I begin to think, well, why? I've always read this passage and I never really sat down and studied it. I was always confused when I read it because he talks about unity and then he talks about, I thought he was talking about how we ought to be unified just like the Lord is only one. We as a people ought to be only one. Does that make sense? That's how I always thought about this. But as I begin to study, that's not what's going on here at all. 
The Apostle Paul said we ought to be a unified people, working together, forbearing one another in love, that we are trying to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace because there is only one body, and that's the body of Christ. And there's only one spirit, and that is God. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, right? Amen. So one one. One body and one spirit, even as we are called in one hope. There is only one hope in this world, and that is given through Jesus Christ. Amen. That is the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost, like Brother Jared was talking about just a few moments ago. Amen. But the doctrine, if you notice right here in this passage, there is, it is filled with just a synopsis of what the one God apostolic doctrine really and truly is. So what the Apostle Paul was telling the church there in Ephesus, he said, Look, folks, I exhort you that you be unified in your efforts and, and, try to, and keeping the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. And you ought to do that through the apostolic doctrine that we have taught you, that there is only one Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he was crucified, and he rose on the third day. It wasn't a trinity. He's just telling you, look, folks, we've got to be unified, and you've got to be unified in the doctrine. Amen, because if a, if a people, if the people of God can become unified in the doctrine uh, uh, that we have been taught, Year after year, service after service, there is no false doctrine that can tear us down. Amen. This isn't in my notes, but I just it came to my mind. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, Whom say ye that I am, right? And and Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. He said, I am going to build my church upon the revelation of who he is. And then if the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church that is built upon the revelation of who he is. Not an individual. You understand. The gates of hell can prevail against me because I'm just one. But if I'm in the midst of a body, if I'm unified with my brothers and sisters in the doctrine, there's nothing that hell can do to me. There's nothing that hell can do to you. That's why it's important to be unified. Amen. Are you with me this evening? Amen. I know I'm going slow. I don't really apologize. I've, I've begun to enjoy teaching slowly, and uh, I, I, I enjoy teaching. That's all I can say. I never thought I would ever be a teacher, but uh, I love it, especially when I'm teaching the Word of God and the revelations that He has given to me. But we ought to be unified in accordance to the true doctrine. The true apostolic doctrine, all right? Because we ought to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit based upon this apostolic doctrine of understanding that there is only one God and that there is only one faith, not multiple faiths, okay, that are all going to make it 
Okay, the Bible says there's only one faith. There's only one baptism. All right, am I still in the, am I still in the word? One God, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That's it. Well, that's not very inclusive, Brother Brandon. Well, I'm sorry. It wasn't me that wrote these words. Amen. And we believe that the word of God is inspired by God. Right? Which means simply that it was breathed by him, spoken by God. Amen. And holy men of old wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And because we believe these things, God gave us gifts. I say because. The reason we understand that we ought to be unified and the reason we understand the doctrine is because of something that God gave to us. And we read this in our in our in our text tonight, Ephesians chapter 4. We're still in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 7 and 8. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, who ascended upon high? Jesus, right? When he ascended, when Jesus ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. For years, until we talked the other day, I, fig- I, I always considered the, the gifts. I never noticed the S on the end of these, this, this thing called gifts. I always thought it was just the gift of the Holy Ghost or, or the gift of God's grace to his people. All right? You with me? But as I began to talk to my brother the other day, he goes, you ever notice that this thing says gifts in Ephesians chapter 4? And I looked at him and said, no, I don't, I've never seen that before in my life. He goes, it, it's quite the study. And honestly, I, I was just doing the study because I wanted to I wanted to study it. Amen. I, I came actually to this pulpit tonight with five different lessons, five different messages that I didn't know which one I was gonna teach. <laughs> I, and then they were singing and I, I just felt like they kept and you'll see why I feel like they confirmed what I was feeling initially. But Ephesians 4 and 8 says, and gave gifts unto men. There are some gifts that come from Christ. Because he ascended, he gave us gifts. Now think about it for a minute. What are those gifts? Let's talk about it. Ephesians chapter 4 still in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9, and we're going to read through verse 16. It's a bit lengthy, and then we're going to come back and we're going to touch on it. Ephesians verse, chapter 4, verses, verse 8 says, and he gave to us, and he gave gifts to men, okay? Ephesians 4, 9 through 16 says, now that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? We understand What's going on here? He had to descend into the lower parts of the earth to take death, hell, and the grave and become victorious over all that 
so we can have salvation. Amen. He that descended in is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. And, okay, you understand? And we just talked about how he gave gifts to men. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. What did he give? He gave us the ministry. When he ascended into heaven, he no longer was here to teach us anymore. And he sent the ministry. First the apostles, and then branching out from them, you, you find the prophets. Well, the prophets have always been there from old. But now we have the apostles, we have the prophets, we have the evangelists. We have pastors and teachers. These are the gifts that come from Christ on his ascension. Why did he give them to us? Let's keep reading. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Why does this have to happen? Well, how are we to understand the doctrine? How are we to understand how to be unified? Except you're taught by the God-given gifts, the ministry. Till we all come, and these gifts that he gave us are going to serve us until we all come. Verse 13 says, in the unity of the faith unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day and they said, well, the Bible says that um, you need to study and you, and you need to be able to dialogue in a Bible study with people so that you can grow. And not become a child and become a grown um, spiritual being as opposed to being a child. Always needing the milk of the word. Does that make sense? He, he pulled his verses from Hebrews talking about needing the, the, the milk of the word because they were not able to eat of the meteor things. And... I told the man, I said, sir, I, I apologize. I, I totally disagree with you. And this is why I disagree with you. I sent, he said, well, send me some verses because I don't agree with you at all. I said, well, I didn't figure you would after what you told me. I said, but here, I'll send you some verses. I sent him a text message. I think it was a mile long. But he said send it to him, so I sent it to him. Um, but the fact is, how are you to grow without the preacher in your life. We, we, we talked a few, uh, a few lessons or messages I preached ago. I talked about, above all, take faith. I don't know if you remember that. Above everything else, we need faith. Faith is the foundation of everything that we are built upon, okay? Our walk with God is nothing without faith. 
There's only one way that the Bible says we get faith. And faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And we could go on in the, in the verses before that. How can they preach except they be sent? But how can we continue to grow in faith without a preacher? If the only way we can obtain faith is through hearing. Does that make sense? Amen. We need the ministry in our life. Amen. And I, and now I, I feel awkward because I just had the thought, well, you're just up there patting yourself on the back. Well, I promise you I did not put this study together to pat myself on the back. So just getting that out of the way because it, it just came. But anyway. I did, he's, my brother sent me some of his notes today, and I read through it, and what was that scripture? He said, said that it doesn't matter the vessel, because we're not sufficient. It was in Corinthians, right? Anyway, the scripture says, it doesn't matter the vessel. We ought to honor. We ought, what's that? God makes us sufficient. Not because we're worthy of it, but because God called us. And when God calls us, he gives us the grace to be able to do what he's called us to do. Amen. I'm nothing. I promise you that. You folks know me. You've known me since I was young. And uh, you know I'm not sufficient. But I can tell you one thing. God makes me sufficient and, and be able to learn and, and to be able to teach what I have learned, and I'm thankful for that. It's not because I feel like I'm anybody, but because I believe God has given to those that he calls, he equips them. And uh, I believe that 100%. So that's not what I'm up here trying to do is, is, is make myself look good. But what I wanted to do tonight is make us understand and be aware that, look, yes, the Holy Ghost is, is necessary to make it into heaven. But we would never be able to obtain the Holy Ghost had we not ever been preached to. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But it's still the truth. Amen. It's still the truth. Had we not heard the word of God from a God-called preacher, we could not be saved. Amen. Amen. Verse 14, Ephesians 4 and 14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. This is why it's important that we are unified. So, and all this stuff comes through the preached word of God. All of this stuff comes because God sent a man, namely Pastor Riggin, to teach the people at New Life Pentecostal Church who God is, for one, what God does, and how we can be saved. Had he not come to Olathe, some of you had not ever been, may, may not have ever found the truth. I know there's some of us that have come from other churches. There's some of us that have come from other backgrounds. I'm not saying God would never have saved you if Pastor Reagan wasn't here, but what I'm saying is God put him here for this city for you. And I'm thankful for that because I would not have the knowledge. I, 
I'm not, I'm not putting down on anybody else from that, that, that was in leadership in my life before, okay? Please understand that. But let me tell you something. I grew up in this, in this message. I grew up year after year being taught these things. Do you know who it was that was teaching me when my eyes were open and I realized that I needed to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Pastor Riggin. I'm not saying anything bad about anybody else that taught me all my life. But God put Pastor Riggin in my life. And when God put Pastor Riggin in my life, he opened my eyes. So you can't tell me that you can be saved under just any old preacher. You, you maybe can. But you must submit yourself to a man. You may come to a knowledge of the truth, but God has ordained it to be where you submit yourself to a man of God and that you obey what that man of God has to say. Amen. Amen. I hope I'm not boring you to death. I'll try to get this done rather quickly. Amen. I'm already past the time that I normally teach down in Moon Valley, so I need to hurry up because <coughs> I don't have a chance to put this in the second part. So, Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. How does the church become what it ought to be? Through the gifts that came from Jesus Christ when he ascended. It's, it's it's, rel it's relatively simple. Jesus had to ascend into heaven. If he did not ascend into heaven, he could not complete the plan. Are you with me? But yet he had to teach his creation what they ought to do to be saved. And his plan and his gifts were the ministry. The gifts that were given were the ministry. God is looking for a church right now that is united based upon the apostolic doctrine that is submitted to a God-called man. That's it in a nutshell. How are we going to make it all the way to the end? Through the preacher. By hearing what the preacher has to say. So in order to obtain what we understand today, he gave to us the apostles, he gave to us the prophets, the evangelists, he gave to us pastors and teachers. All right? Why was all of this necessary? And I'm going to I'm coming down hopefully rapidly to a close, but why was all of this necessary? It was necessary for anyone to be saved. Number one, 
Go to Acts chapter 2. The 120 received the Holy Ghost because Jesus said, go and tarry for the promise of the Father. They listened to what God had to tell them. Right? How did the 3,000 come to a knowledge of the truth? Because the gifts began to operate. And Peter stood and he preached. And he preached and the people believed. And the people were baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because the preacher said that's the way you got to do it. What happened in Acts chapter 3? 5,000 more souls were there. How did they come to a knowledge of how to be saved? The preacher preached. Get to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius sends for Peter. Peter comes and preaches. It doesn't matter what place you go to in the scripture. There was always a preacher present where the people were saved. It just is how it works. I didn't put any of these scriptures in my notes because I knew it would make my notes about 10,000 pages long. But it's there. Go study for it. Go study it for yourself. Amen. I've had some folks tell me, well, I can study the scripture for myself. And I can come to the same conclusion of what that preacher is trying to tell me. I have. Those conversations, I've had those in, in just the last two months. And my response was simply this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. The Apostle Paul told them at Corinth, he said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So my question is, if God has made this world's wisdom foolish, how in the world are you going to figure out how to be saved without a preacher? How are you going to build your own faith? It's impossible. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, by wisdom, Paul tells us, they sought God by their own wisdom. And they knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To us that believed, it's not foolishness. But to those that are of the world and they, that those that do not believe, it is foolishness to them. Because in their own mind, they think that they can get their own ideas and they can fashion their own doctrines out of the Scripture. Even though the Scripture tells us that the Scripture is not of any, any private interpretation. But they say, well, you go your way, I'll go my way, we'll all get to heaven 
about the very same time. I'm sorry, honey, but there is only one Lord, and there's only one faith, and there's only one baptism. There's only one God, and he is Father of all, and he dwells in all, through all. Amen. So by your own wisdom, you will not find salvation. It's Scripture. Amen. The Bible teaches us to study, to show ourselves approved. Absolutely. You ought to be studying the Scripture. I am not condemning studying the Scripture. You ought to be able to give every man an answer of the hope that lieth within you. That's the Bible. You ought to be able to. But the Bible is clear. We cannot be saved except we hear what the Word of God has to say. And it was the foolishness of preaching that God chose to save them that believe. The Word of God is even more clear. If you look at Romans 10 and 17, I I quoted just a few moments ago, but so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You cannot have a, a complete understanding of the Scripture except you hear the Word of God from a God-called gift, if you will. Amen. Amen. These gifts, the ministry, were given for the perfecting of the saints. These gifts, the ministry, were given for the edifying of the body of Christ. How are we to know how we ought to progress in our relationship with God? How are we to obtain more faith? First Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1 tells us that we ought to add to our faith. Jude tells us we ought to build up our most holy faith. It's a constant growth effort. We ought not to always stay a child. How can we become grown in the spirit? Well, by hearing the word of God. By hearing the word of God through the gifts that God gives us. Amen. Praise God. So it seems to me safe to say that we must have a preacher in our life. I said, so it seems to me that we ought to have a preacher in our life. Whether I agree with what he has to say every time or not. The Bible tells me that I ought to obey him. Obey them that have the rule over you. For they watch for your souls. As they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Amen. Amen. I promise you. I did not ask for this position. But for whatever reason, God decided to call me. And I'm going to do what I possibly can to make sure I fulfill that calling. Amen. And we have the most capable pastor in the world. For the whole world. Amen. 
He's phenomenal. I love just sitting around and talking to him, just just being able to. And just because he's my father-in-law does not mean we sit around and just talk about the word of God all the time. I promise you. I wish I could. But he's a busy man. Amen. Amen. As a result of the gifts that God gave us, we know that there is only one way to God. Right? How did you come to a knowledge of how to be saved? By hearing the preaching. It was through the through the man of God standing behind a pulpit declaring to us Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6 there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling because there is only one Lord and one faith and one baptism one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all amen we understand that we have to be saved only through Jesus Christ because a preacher got up and preached what Jesus told Thomas in, in John chapter 14, verses 5 through 7, he's, Thomas said unto the Lord, to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. We don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. We understand there's only one way, and that one way is Jesus Christ. Because a preacher got up and preached to us what thus saith the word of the Lord. Amen. We understand that if, if, if we had known the Lord, in verse 7, John 14 and 7 says, If ye had known me, ye, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. We understand that Matthew 28, 19 is not talking about a trinity. Why do we understand that? Because God sent a man of God with a revelation of who Jesus Christ truly was to teach to us for weeks on end about whom say ye that I am. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And we can understand that John 4, 24, we, we understand that God is a spirit. We understand that Jesus the man Jesus Christ was simply flesh that the Almighty Spirit dwelt inside of. Why was that necessary? Because the Spirit does not have blood that it could shed for you and me. The Spirit could not be tempted like you and me. And that was necessary. We have not an high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities, who was tempted in all points like as we are, Hebrews tells us. Amen. It's through Jesus that we find salvation. Amen. Each time, again, as I, as I went through the scriptures, each time that you find somebody receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, there was a preacher there preaching. We can stand. Amen. I'm thankful that God sent a preacher in my life. I'm thankful that God gave us the gifts that he gave us on his ascension. Are you thankful for what God has provided for his people? Can you worship him all across this place tonight? Lord, you are wonderful, Jesus. 
God, I thank you, Lord, that I can understand who you are and what you are, Lord, because a man of God came and preached to me. Lord, thank you for giving us the gifts. God, that we can understand that there is only one God, that we can understand that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Mind, soul, and strength. Lord, I'm thankful for your goodness today. Lord, God, you didn't have to save me, but you did. Thank you, Lord, for sending somebody to preach, God, and to teach so that I can understand the necessity of salvation, oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord, God, for your mercy today. Lord, you are excellent, Lord Jesus. You are wonderful, God. Hallelujah. I think it would be fitting if we all came down around the front and began just to worship the Lord.